the institutions are coming, the institutions are coming to save you, right? Actually, let's talk a little bit about that and much more today. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Crypto Bobby. Hope you are having a great day, great night, wherever you are watching or listening in from. And welcome to another episode of the Crypto Bobby podcast. Today, we're talking about a discussion that occurred this morning on Bloomberg with Mike Novogratz, who I'm sure many of you know who runs Galaxy. It's been around prominent in the cryptocurrency world for a number of years now. And he shared some insight as far as how he saw the market outlook in the next six to 12 months from a macro perspective. And I wanted to take his comments and and, and learn a little bit from them and also provide my my thoughts, my feedback kind of on, on what he says and how as a person who's participating in the space, you might be able to look into this in a little bit more detail and gain some insights off of it as well. Before we get into it today, want to give a shout out to the folks over at NetSuite. If your company has outgrown QuickBooks, if shared spreadsheets, manual processes, and legacy systems are costing you time and money, now is the time to move your business to the cloud. With NetSuite by Oracle, it is the business management software that literally handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. And as a former employee of NetSuite at Oracle myself, literally a former employee of NetSuite. It's a company I worked at before going full-time in crypto. It is by far the best system to save you time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing your sales, finance, and accounting, as well as orders and HR, literally all in the same place right from your desk or even from your phone. And thousands of the best-known brands in the world and fastest-growing companies use NetSuite to manage your business as well, including many of the top cryptocurrency companies in the space, exchanges, infrastructure providers are utilizing NetSuite today. And if you'd like to get the valuable insights that NetSuite is also offering you to help overcome the obstacles that are holding you back for free, you can do so by going to download NetSuite's guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth. If you go to netsuite.com slash bobby right now, you can download the free guide, Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth, today at netsuite.com slash B-O-B-B-Y. And again, netsuite.com slash B-O-B-B-Y. All right, let's get into the discussion today. Let's go. So over on OnChain FX right now, which is uh, right now really one of my favorite sites as far as just digesting data uh, in the crypto ecosystem. I've always been a fan of theirs, but they've added some some kind of new new cool just sorting methods and categories but they've added a bunch of new assets which i mean a lot of them are are kind of we don't really need to look into them so i'm sorting this view right now if you're watching this on youtube and not the podcast uh sorting this view by large caps right now but if we're looking at large caps uh there are really there's only one large cap or two large caps excuse me that are in the positive versus usd in the past 24 hours one of those is monero which has been showing a bit of strength recently and the other is maker mkr and maker has been um Quietly, it's up about 40% in the past two weeks. Uh, I have a small bag of Maker. It's not a a massive portion of of my portfolio, uh, but I bought a small bag of Maker. I think it was the last time I updated the portfolio. It should be included on, on the website as well, but bought that bag because I've just been seeing the increasing amounts of of die that have been circulating as well as the increasing amount of ETH locked up in the uh, within 
the MakerDAO ecosystem, as well as at some point in time, the multiple, multiple collateralization uh, points for DAI, whether that's Bitcoin or anything else. Um, but so I bought a small bag of that. That's been doing really, really well. It's up to $547 right now. Believe uh, close to an Ethereum and Bitcoin all-time high right now, not USD all-time high, but compared to BTC and USD, it's been, been doing quite well recently, which has been interesting to see. But the whole market as of recent past few days kind of chilling out um, at least so far this week. Ethereum had the nice run over the weekend, but not too, too much happening uh, outside of that. So want to talk a little bit about this interview and this article that came out in Bloomberg. And this was something this morning uh, that was published. And I'll put a link below in the YouTube and the podcast description. But it was an interview with Mike Novogratz, who I'm sure a lot of you are familiar. I've talked about familiar with. I've talked about him on the YouTube channel a few separate times before. Um, and I think it's always interesting to hear his thoughts and his perspective on the market. Now, there's a couple different things that I think go to show uh, or we'll, we'll, we'll preface the conversation with. Number one, when it comes down to cryptocurrency and everything in general, uh, everybody is always talking their book. Everybody is always talking their bag. What do I mean by that? Um, you know, if you have, if you own a lot of Bitcoin, you are always going to be talking up Bitcoin, and the people that are talking up Bitcoin are typically the ones that are have a, a large percentage or a, a substantial portion of their net worth in, in Bitcoin. You know, if you are talking up XRP or, or ETH or whatever it might be, Tron and any type of, of altcoin, people tend to talk their books. So I think you always have to preface that. A lot of people are like, well, you know, he, he owns a lot of Bitcoin, so or he owns a lot of crypto. So of course he's talking it up. Yes, obviously, that is always gonna be the case, whether, you know, when we're talking about these financial markets, something I think that you always want to think about and always consider. Uh, and then I also saw on Reddit, there were some people that were commenting, uh, and there was one comment that was like, why would I listen to this guy? He was, he was talking about crypto, uh, you know, when it was a $800 billion market cap and pumping it up and this and that and the other thing. And then the response to that, which somebody also had was he also bought a shit ton of ETH at a dollar and he bought uh, a number of cryptocurrencies early on as well. So while he's had some, he's had some misses. He also has had some massive, massive, massive wins, uh, especially on ETH very early on that you, I think, just go to show that not everybody is 100% all the time, but if you're going to put yourself out there, I think it's worth listening to. But the interesting thing about this is that the conversation was an interview. It's about a six-minute interview on, on Bloomberg. I'm not going to play the interview because I don't want to have get the video taken down for copyright or anything like that. But uh, the interesting thing is he talks about the architecture being built for uh, larger scale institutions. And we've seen this recently with a number of different, you know, you've seen this with Fidelity coming out, uh, announcing the some, somewhat soon release of their custodian solution. You've seen this with Bact, which is continually pushed out, but you've seen this with Bact trying to enter the space. Um, you've seen this with the Yale Endowment Fund putting a small, small percentage of their uh, assets in cryptocurrency funds and crypto-related investments. We've seen this recently with uh, Morgan Creek Digital, which is the fund that Anthony Pompliano, aka Pomp, who I'm sure you follow on Twitter, uh, got two uh, pension funds to invest uh, in their $40 million dollar round which is investing primarily in venture venture based cryptocurrency but also in larger cap liquid coins like bitcoin 
So we're starting to see this kind of slow creep into the system right now of the quote unquote institutional investors. And there's a quote right uh, from Novogratz where he says, all the architecture that institutions need to feel comfortable with this is being put in place. You're starting to see uh, custody come online. Uh, and that is quote unquote paving the way for the smart money to enter the space in an actual serious fashion. A lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the time right now with smart money uh, or larger scale money entering the crypto space right now is through venture funds um, or through these kind of more nimble, highly liquid uh, crypto native funds that are getting uh, investments from these larger scale companies and not you know directly putting any putting any type or trading any type of assets. And then Novogratz continues to say over the next six to 12 months, you're going to see institutions put a small amount of their assets in digital currencies uh, and a small amount of institutional assets is uh, a lot of money, obviously. And that's the thing here when we're looking at this is number one, we have to think about, you know, is there actually demand for institutions to put money into the cryptocurrency market? And I think primarily you're thinking about most likely if it's liquid cryptocurrencies or existing cryptocurrencies out there, you're thinking about Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum, uh, maybe some of the other ones out there, but probably primarily Bitcoin at this point in time. And, and why would they do that? Obviously, you know, a, a large a large fund, uh, whether it's a pension fund or a uh, endowment fund or whatever it might be, they're not going to go and put 50 freaking percent of their portfolio in something as, as volatile and crazy as Bitcoin. But some of these funds might put 10 basis, one basis point, 10 basis points, 50 basis points of their fund into uh, cryptocurrency that could have a really large impact. And right now, for the most part, the architecture and the framework for them to do so isn't available, but that really is in actuality being built out at this point in time. Now, when we look at this, a lot of people I think will will probably have some some doubts and I think rightfully so because when you look at what's happened in the cryptocurrency marketplace for the past 12 14 months really since the top of the cryptocurrency bubble in like December of 2018 you know a big narrative was the institutions are coming the institutions are coming and they're coming to save us and it's going to be fantastic well the institutions obviously haven't you know come or at least they've <laughs> the institutions haven't uh, come to any real size in the cryptocurrency market. I have the mind of a child, um, but the institutions haven't come to the cryptocurrency market uh, in any major size that would affect it to the you know to the positive. Uh, they certainly haven't provided any level of stability to Bitcoin or to uh, cryptocurrency as a whole. You know, even if they've joined the fray. So when you think about that, I think a lot of people look at this and say, hey. You know, this is this is BS. This is again somebody talking their bag, trying to, you know, they bought Bitcoin at four thousand dollars or six thousand dollars or whatever, and they're trying to get, you know, get that back up to, to exit their investment or wh whatever it might be. Who knows? But I do think one of the things, and I'm I've kind of been convinced about this, just the longer I see things develop and everybody because of the way cryptocurrency trades, it is traded 24-7, 365. People are inherently very much, it is a, you know, it is a real-time valuation. People are able to trade, they're able to enter and exit positions really on a, you know, on a, on a need, on a need basis. And 
I think there is a large amount of impatience in the cryptocurrency market. Not necessarily saying that people have to be patient. People can have the degree of patience that they need. Um, and you know, they're free to buy and sell cryptocurrency at any given point in time, obviously, because of that it's a 24 seven 365 market. But one of the things that I've really come to see notice, and I think appreciate is the level of time it takes for certain narratives and for certain components within the cryptocurrency ecosystem to play out in real time because of the nature of the trading of cryptocurrency because of that 24 7 365 environment you know, people are i think inherently impatient you want everything and i want everything now 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 when somebody is talking about in december of 2017 the institutions are coming we want those institutions to come and save us and to pump our bags tomorrow right you know that would make sense not 14 months later not another 12 months after that what I've come to realize is that, you know, when people start talking about something in the cryptocurrency ecosystem, it usually takes a lot, lot, lot longer than originally anticipated, whether that's because the infrastructure in place is just simply not good enough yet, uh, and it is not either usable enough or just not developed enough or isn't comfortable enough for either small scale investors or large scale investors, or it could be regulation, it could be regulatory clarity, it could be a variety of factors. But just looking at it, things take longer in the cryptocurrency ecosystem than most people are comfortable with or have the patience for because of the nature of that 24-7, 365 trading environment. So that's something I think is definitely worth thinking about and keeping an eye on really as you look at this stuff. I know you're probably sick and tired of hearing about the quote unquote institutions are coming, the herd is coming, and you as a retail investor and me as a retail investor um, are you know sitting there with the bags down 80% or whatever it might be. And like, yo, when is uh when one of these uh one of these big institutions coming? Hey, you know, maybe they're maybe they're one hundred percent not. I don't think that that is gonna be the case. Um, but it is gonna take a lot longer than I think most people thought originally, and it will take longer in the future than we're seeing right now and than most people have patience for. Now, the last component of this and the last part of this discussion that I thought was interesting was where kind of the value proposition or the investment thesis around cryptocurrency was discussed. And in this particular case, Mike Novogratz singled out Bitcoin as being kind of the one that really sticks out. And I think it sounds like that most of the larger players in the space are most comfortable with. And the thesis of digital gold is the one that they're looking at as something that might be what actually interests uh, larger investors or institutional investors to actually put skin in the game. Uh, and that's something that I think is going to continue to play out. And I'm sure, again, a lot of people watching this and listening to this right now are saying, you know, digital gold, my ass, this Bitcoin thing went up to $19,000 and now it's at $3,000, right? Um, now you have to look also a little bit longer term at, at where Bitcoin had come from previously, but some of the elements of Bitcoin or there's kind of numerous attractive elements of Bitcoin, the economics behind it, the scarcity of it, the security of the mining network as well. And then really it being that kind of 
digital gold that no one single nation state can control. Uh, and depending upon how things move with just the global economy, as well as a lot of the currency instability that we're seeing in some of these smaller countries right now, something to really keep an eye on. And that might be something that could potentially push some of these institutions to, again, put a very, very small percentage we're talking basis points here, most likely not percentages of their assets in cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin, maybe some of the other ones. Maybe it's also venture investing, uh, kind of seed, uh, series A, series B, probably not seed rounds, but venture investing through these VC funds and things like that. But it will be really interesting to watch a lot of this pan out. And like I've said before, I think it's going to come down to patience for a lot of people as well. Uh, the infrastructure is being built out, whether it's Fidelity with the custody solution, whether it's something like BACT, um, whether it is one of the big bulge bracket banks getting into the cryptocurrency game through trading or through custody or whatever it might be. I think there's going to be a lot of dominoes that end up falling when one big player gets in, everybody else waits for that one big player to get in and they all follow suit. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on. And just long term as I look at this, and again, I will link down to the uh, the the video for the Novogratz interview because it's six minutes long and I think it's definitely worth taking the time to watch it and to digest the information. And I think it's always good, like I said, to, to take it with a grain of salt because everybody's always talking their own bags. I'm talking my own bags. Um, you're probably in the comments talking your own book, whatever it might be. But I do think it's helpful and good to consider all of this moving forward uh, as well. Would love to hear your thoughts in the comments on this subject too. If you are on YouTube, definitely sound off in the comments. If you're on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter as always at crypto underscore Bobby. If you enjoyed this video, make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Helps to get it out to as many people as possible. Podcast, always leave a rating and review. But outside of that, guys, we'll always be back with more content. Thank you so much for your time. Crypto Bobby signing out. Hope you have a good one. Peace.